Welcome to the JT The Brick Show. You know, when you put the silver and black uniform on, you get such a surge of energy. It's time for the JT The Brick Show. And a lot of football players around the country that want to wear that silver and black. JT The Brick. When you talk about the Raiders, everyone knows you talk about the Raiders. On Raider Nation Radio 920 AM, here's your host, JT The Brick. Out of the gate, JT with you on a really great day in Vegas today, other than the heat. And I've been inside most of the day other than being at Raiders practice early this morning, which was genius by John Gruden to have it early and have uh, everybody out on the field at 730, if not before, before they went inside. Reportedly, the weather will get to 115 and no higher today at three o'clock, four o'clock, five and six puck drop. It'll be 115 doesn't get 115 much around here when it does. It's a big story. It's a big story nationally. Uh, As I said, keep the pets safe. Get them inside. Get the kids inside. Don't take your kids on an errand. Don't go on an errand today unless it's an emergency. Unless you have to get something, keep the kids at home and keep an eye on the swimming pool. You'll be hearing me say that a lot this summer because my wife and I take that really seriously. And we, we always talk about that this time of year. So please be smart with the heat. And make sure you protect not only yourself, your pets, but everyone in and around your neighborhood in life. Langston Walker will join us at the bottom of the hour. Former Raider tackle. Really good guy. And played well for the Raiders for a number of years. Uh, I think it's a perfect day to get him on. From Oakland's Bishop O'Dowd to Cal. And he played for the Raiders from 2002 through 2006. Nice player. And we're talking about Alex Leatherwood. And I'm going to make the comparison. Now, how do you get in here? How do you get in here and make a name for yourself on the offensive line for the Raiders? So Langston Walker at the bottom of the first hour of the show. Also, Vic Tafer from The Athletic will join us here in about 15 minutes. I saw him out at practice the last two days, and he's got a lot to say on Derek Carr. He's got a new column at The Athletic, which we'll get into on, and then we'll lead with the Golden Knights next hour and at the top of the hour. Matter of fact, I'll get into it here. In the monologue, we just don't have days like this in Vegas, historically, where we have professional sports played at the highest level. Montreal's in town. I don't think they're going to have the Vegas flu. There are no reports of them drinking till 4 in the morning at the Cosmo and getting arrested and partying at strip clubs. They know they have to win this game or they have no shot. So I expect the best punch to come tonight from Montreal. Vegas has got to play a clean game. That's what worries me the most in this game and the rest of the series. If Vegas goes into the penalty box, expect Montreal to have an opportunity to score on the power play and give Vegas a tough time. If Vegas stays out of the penalty box, I think they'll win handily. But this is the game. You know, the first 10 minutes of game one, Montreal looked good. They came out, and I thought they dictated the pace. And then Vegas is just too talented. They're bigger, stronger. They're deeper. They're so much deeper than Montreal. I was talking to a hockey insider today who reminded me, he said, JT, Montreal played nobody this year. They played in Canada. Vancouver was a mess. Edmonton had problems. Toronto and Winnipeg were the best teams, and they flunked out in the playoffs. Montreal played in a weak, weak division and weren't very good. So they got into the playoffs, and they played better, and they started to sink. All that matters is what you do in the playoffs. That's it. So if you got a prediction on the game tonight, I'd like to hear it. The last game went under the total at five and a half, which was surprising because the Knights scored three goals by defensemen. I don't think you're going to see three defensemen score again tonight. 
Let's get Marcia So going. Let's get Wild Bill going. Let's get Pacioretty going. Let's get the goal scorers going here. So they're able to do something special here. Big night for the big boys of Vegas. The better team on the ice and on paper to take care of business. Spins off a check. That elbow from Weber came up hot. Holding again. Shoots. Score! On the left side, Nick Holden pinched in below the dot. He found an opening from a sharp angle, left wing side. Nick Holden with two goals in as many games. Vegas has a three-goal lead. Four one nights with ten minutes to play. Yeah, that was a closer game than I believe the score says. I, I think it was. It was a good game. Vegas was the better team, and the rest of the country thinks that Vegas is going to win this easily. Other than fans in Montreal, everybody thinks that Vegas is going to win easily here. All right, let me stop there and quickly get to the Raiders, what I saw today. Pretty much saw the same thing I saw yesterday. But at the end of practice, they had a little competition. A little competition. One-on-one Derek Carr, receivers going up against corners. That was fun. I can tell you Carr looks amazing. He's completely jacked. He's in unbelievable shape. Carr looks the part. Now, Carr made national news yesterday. Carr made national news when he talked about, you know, if he ever gets traded, he won't play. He would rather quit than be traded. That was a big line from Carr yesterday. So you know I do two shows a day, my night show on Sirius XM. The biggest headline when I started the show was Derek Carr, basically saying that he wants to be a Raider for life until Kevin Durant went off for 49 points. Then Kevin Durant became the biggest story. So there's a lot of meat on the bone. With Derek Carr, I sat in today with Clay Baker and Mike Pritchard on the morning show in their first half hour of the show, and we were talking about it. And we'll talk about it with Vic here in about 10 minutes. Here's what I think about Derek. Derek is very calculated. Anything that Derek says is calculated. He's got an agent. He's got a brother who works in the NFL, in NFL media. So Derek, when he said what he said yesterday, that to me was so unique. I talked to a couple of media members at practice today and said that when Carr said he'd probably quit if the Raiders traded him, I said, has that ever been said ever by an athlete? Can you go back in time and remember an athlete who said that? No, I, I know that there are athletes who talked about retiring early or wanting to play teams or play for a team for a long time. But I don't remember an athlete ever saying, ever, I'd probably quit football if I had to play for somebody else. I'm a Raider for my entire life. I'm going to root for one team for the rest of my life. It's the Raiders. So I just feel that so strong in my heart, I don't need a perfect situation to make things right. So that was the quote I read. Listen to number four. I know what I've put on film. I know the things that I've been able to accomplish. And I still want more. There's still more. And I want to do it here. I don't want to do it anywhere else. I've said it over and over again. I, 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 I'd probably quit football if I had to play for somebody else. You know, I, I am a Raider for my entire life. I'm going to root for one team for the rest of my life, and uh, it's the Raiders. So um, I, I just feel that so strong in my heart. You know, I don't need a perfect situation. You know, I believe that. All right, so he doesn't need a perfect situation. He doesn't have a perfect situation. He hasn't played a playoff game. We know it's not perfect, but we know that Carr is very good. So the topic for today is very simple. This is for Raider fans who bust cars' balls for a lot of reasons. They do. 
I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't see this anywhere else. I don't. And, and I, I understand Raider fans. I know them better than anybody on sports radio. That's my expertise. I've talked to more Raider fans than anybody, and I've lapped that globe twice. And there are a lot of Raider fans that give Carr heat on social media because they never do it to his face. Never. Never do it to his face, right? But they give Carr a hard time. Well, this is the flagship station. You heard what he said. 702-365-9200. What is your reaction specifically to Carr saying, I'd rather go down with the ship? I mean, there's a lot of meat on the bone. So for everybody who's got beer muscles, Twitter muscles, there you go. I'm looking at the phone lines right here. Zero people on hold. It takes a while to get people motivated to call, I guess. So you got the big topic today. Carr said this. What do you think? Terrell Owens would cry and go, that's my quarterback. Remember what he did for Tony Romo? Terrell Owens would have said, that's my quarterback. Well, is the Raider Nation saying the same thing? Are Raider fans saying, that's my quarterback. That's Derek Carr. I love what he said. Or are Raider fans trolling them on fake Instagrams and fake Twitters with eggs instead of pictures saying, trade them. What do you you want here? I think what Carr said was really unique, very unique. I don't know if I agree with it all because there's a chance he won't play his whole career with Las Vegas. I mean, there's a chance. So if he goes to another team, they're going to play that soundbite, as I told you yesterday, forever. Can you imagine if Derek Carr landed with another team in the first press conference? That's going to run in a loop. That's going to run in a loop that I'm a Raider for my entire life if he's at a press conference with another team. So maybe he said that for a reason. And why did Carr say that? What was calculated about Carr? Because, you know, if the Raiders want to trade him at some point, he's saying he wants to be a Raider for life. And if the Raiders are excited about him wanting to be a Raider for life, they've got to give him a new contract. Right? So there's a lot there's a lot of meat on the bone here in sports radio. You got the ultimate topic. Everybody's sitting here every day. You see some of these national guys? It's Aaron Rodgers, rinse and repeat. Aaron Rodgers, rinse and repeat. LeBron, oh, LeBron's not playing. Let's do another Aaron Rodgers segment. You got nothing on Aaron Rodgers compared to Carr. Carr gave you much more to talk about than Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers shampooing his hair in Maui with his new girlfriend losing weight on a cleanse. Or Derek Carr saying, I would probably quit football if I had to play for somebody else. I mean, that is that is a wow for me. And I thought Derek did the right thing. I know it's calculated. You know it's calculated. What's the end game on what he meant there? I think the, the honest answer is he wants a contract. All of his guaranteed money's up, and he wants to get paid. And he's saying to his bosses, the owner, the coach, hey, man, I love it here. Keep me here. And I think that's what's great about Derek Carr. Why wait? I don't think anybody needs to guess that Derek Carr wants to retire a Raider. The guy loves the Raiders. I mean, he's going to pass, and he's passing statistically Ken Stabler, Jim Plunkett, Rich Gannon with yards and touchdowns, and all the stats are going to be all his. All he's got to do is win a Super Bowl. Can you imagine if Carr wins a Super Bowl in Las Vegas, what that's going to do to his brand? Brand's going to be through the roof, absolutely through the roof. And I think he's doubling down for it. 702-365-9200. Johnson in Arizona. Thanks for starting us off. What's happening? 
Hey, JT. Uh, I just want to make a quick comment on Carr's mm-hmm. uh, comment yesterday. That was a pretty bold statement. I don't think that he would quit uh, football, but it does make a good, um, interesting conversation if he would be willing to be a backup if he does not do good this year. Um He's not yeah, a backup. Well, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. He's not a backup quarterback on this no, no, team no, no, or any no, other no. team in the league. He can, he can be a starter snapping his fingers. What do you mean backup? No, what I mean is if they were willing to get rid of him, is it possible that they could bring in a veteran such as maybe go get um, Aaron Rodgers and let him sit behind Aaron Rodgers and learn something for the next few years? Goodbye, goodbye, goodbye. That is the most... That's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. You think that the Raiders would trade for Aaron Rodgers and keep Derek Carr, and Derek Carr would sit behind Aaron Rodgers? Did you just say that? Are you smoking the stickiest of the ickiest, the greenest of the green, the kindest of the kind? Was he in the back room playing drums with Stoner, dude? What was that all about? If Derek Carr gets traded for Aaron Rodgers plus a whole boatload of other things that would have to go back, Derek Carr would be the starting quarterback for the Green Bay Packers over Jordan Love. Okay, so that, that's the way that plays out. Uh, Derek Carr is a hell of a quarterback. He's not going to be a backup, and I think he'll be here with the Raiders for quite some time. I really do. But for those who are wondering why he said that, really the topic that I wanted to bring up was why was this so calculated? The column from the Athletic NFL from Vic Tafer. The time is coming. The Raiders will eventually have to make a decision on Derek Carr and his future in Las Vegas. So what will it be? Vic Tafer joins us from The Athletic. Vic, good to see you the last couple of days. And, man, Carr gave you a lot. You and all the insiders got a lot from <laughs> Derek Carr. Give me the takeaway here in your column. Yeah, it was a little laugh again. It was nice. <laughs> we had to work too hard for it. But, um, yeah, I thought it was interesting. Derek's always interesting. I think um, – I don't doubt, doubt that he wants to be a Raider for you know, his whole career, but I think also he has to realize that yeah, I think he's still up in the air a little bit. I think definitely, uh, I think um, John Gruden and he have definitely worked well together. He's definitely gotten better every year under John, I, I believe. John and Mike Mack, when they're really happy with him, but I, I think if they were convinced that he was definitely the guy for them long term, I think the extension would, be, would be already be done by now, so I think that was my Mm-hmm. take on uh, kind of what, what he said. Well, tell me about what he has left and the guaranteed money that's already been paid and the risk of injury and what he's going through because he talked about the money and he could fish the rest of his life. But obviously quarterbacks are getting paid much more than he got when he was the highest paid quarterback in the league for a short period of time. So with the money structure here, how concerned is Carr about the money he's going to get in the future if he stays here in Vegas? Yeah, I don't think he's made. I think the money's fine. I think he's uh, he's already made uh, what was a five-year, $125 million extension. So he's already gotten $86 million from that. So he's got um, two years left. It's a kind of, Now the guarantees are all gone, so it's a pay-as-you-go kind of deal. So he gets mm-hmm. 19.5 this year. Next year, I think it may be very similar, maybe 19.8 or 19.9, a little, little more next year. But it's basically you're saying $20 million. Uh, the next two years, which is you know, which is a, a fine value for quarterbacks nowadays. It kind of sounds weird to say that, but that's a good deal for a guy who's probably you know, I think easily a top twelve you know quarterback in the league. So I just think, um, and he's right. He has enough money where he can play golf for the rest of his life and not worry about money. But I also think you know, you, you know, Derek. I think he's very competitive. So, you know, so I think if push came to shove, 
Is he going to be able to just walk away from the sport and not play anymore at, the, you know, at a pretty young age? I, I don't think so. I think he'll want to play somewhere, so if that was what it comes down to at some point. Vic Tafer's our guest, senior writer at The Athletic, covering the Raiders. And, Vic, you cover him more than I do. I have him on a couple times a year. You see him, and I know you're waiting to get in the locker room more, but the relationship you have and the access, and he looks like he's in a good spot because – a year ago, there was much more chatter about him in the offseason, but there's still the elephant in the room of Aaron Rodgers and Deshaun Watson. The good news is Deshaun Watson seems to be immovable at this point in time because of his legal problems. Yeah, I agree with that. I think also Aaron Rodgers, I think uh, it seems like the Packers have no interest in trading him this year. I mean, I think they're going to wait and see what happens. And I think the Raiders pretty much have their, all their plans as far as the salary cap and the roster pretty much set now. They pretty much have their team and Derek Carr is their guy. So I think this year is probably the done deal. So I think it was good for him. Like last year, there was always the headlines in the, in the Las Vegas Review Journal about Tom Brady moving, you know, coming here. And mm-hmm. he's at the fights with Mark Davis, the photo ops. And definitely, I think it was harder on Derek last year with Tom Brady and all the attention he got. This year, I think Russell Wilson and, and obviously mentioned the Raiders on some lists he had of preferred places to go, but that wasn't going to happen. So I'd say at least this year, at least so. I think Derek is in a good place. I think he's he's always very optimistic, always very confident. I think he likes the tools he has. I also you know miss Nelson Aguilar a lot, but mm-hmm. he's always been good at building up this chemistry with the guys pretty quickly. He's pretty high on on John Brown and also on Zay Jones. Yeah, and I wanted to get into Edwards. Vic Tafer joins us. I mean, he's noticeably a beast. He reminds me of a young Des Bryant. His size just jumps out at me, and as I was watching that unit practice today and the way he ran deep routes and comeback routes, talk about his development with rugs, and could Edwards be the real big surprise here when it comes to matching up with other defenses? Yeah, he could be. He looked really good last year in training camp. Yeah. He, got, he got hurt, and I just think he's uh, like you mentioned, he's a very physical guy. He's great at the high-point catches. Definitely he and Ruggs are a great tandem as far as different skill sets. Ruggs is definitely you know, the more top-end speed guy, more of a slant guy, where Ruggs is kind of, I mean, I'm sorry, Edwards is kind of the guy who can get, you know, get to the sideline, make a big catch and on third down and for, for the key yardage. So I think that ideally, as they grow, they're a great tandem as far as their, their skill sets uh, being complimentary. Vic Tafer is our guest. Vic, we saw and you sent a video out of Colton Miller being back out there today and, and seeing him with uh, Leatherwood is unique because Leatherwood looks really good to me. I wanted to see him the last couple of days. When you see the pictures of him and on TV at Alabama, he just looks not only big, but on the high end of being big, oversized. And then I didn't notice that. I think he's really fit. He, I wouldn't say smaller than I thought, but he's much more fit than I thought for his age. And I, I was talking to Paul Gutierrez about it. He played so many games at Alabama, so many reps, and then he knows how to prepare because he went to Alabama. I'm really excited to see his conditioning and what he looks like because he looked great to me. What do you think of this offensive line? Yeah, I agree with you. I think I was definitely a little surprised. I thought he looked a little small to me. I thought he was yeah. gonna, for some reason I thought he'd be bigger. Same with Solomon Thomas. I always thought he was a bigger guy. I see him in person, like, oh, he's, he's smaller than I thought he was. But I agree, both those guys are in good shape. I think Leatherwood definitely has a great, great teacher in Tom Cable. He's shown he can get these guys ready pretty quickly. Like he obviously did with Colton Miller. So yeah, I mean, I, people you know dog the pick. It was too high, too early, whatever. But if a guy plays for you and he starts for you right away, he's good. Doesn't matter where you picked them versus where else had them on their boards. And if you get guys who can play in your system and play well, then that's what you got to do. So if he does that, then it was a good pick. 
Vic Tafer as we wrap it up. Vic, after OTAs, mini camp wrapping up before training camp, is there one big thing that you're looking at now when it comes to a competition battle at a petition group that's going to be fascinating for your readers and everybody listening to us here? Yeah, I thought I'd write about it tomorrow because obviously we had John today, but mm-hmm. I'm kind of fascinated by Damon Arnett. I'm not sure what his role is going to be. I'm not sure. I don't think he's going to be starting. I mean, which is kind of a shocker for a guy, a first-round pick in year two. I think um, he's not going to be playing the slot. He's not been working out there. So to me, uh, as of right now, it's like Casey Hayward and Trayvon Mullen starting cornerbacks. So that's kind of, for me, a pretty interesting storyline for the rest of the the summer and for training camp. Awesome, Vic. Good seeing you out there the last couple of days. Thanks for coming on. All right, bud. Take care. You got it, Vic Tafer. Great work from The Athletic. And he has a brand-new column out uh, at The Athletic on Derek Carr. It's very interesting about Damon Arnett and where he's going to line up, if he could play the slot or he's going to get less reps. As of now, he's going to get less reps. There's nothing wrong with that. That's why they got Casey Hayward. We all get that. They got Casey Hayward because he's a two-time pro bowler under Gus Bradley in the system so he can come in and play. That's great. That's what we want. We want a guy that can play at a Pro Bowl caliber. Hopefully that's the fit. Paul in the Bay Area, Raider Nation Radio. Hello, Paul. Hey, JT. Thanks so much. Uh, first-time caller, long-time listener. I had Raider tickets in Oakland for years before they left. I saw you down there on the sidelines, and I just want to say appreciate everything you do about the Raiders and talk about them. I'm a total car supporter. The guy bleeds silver and black. He's always improving, and I think he's getting a bad rap because the defense has not been very good the last seven, eight years. 2016, he got hurt, and I think that was probably he didn't kneel when 2016 when they were talking about you know, all the problems and the offensive line was mm-hmm. kneeling, and he didn't kneel, and that's when he got hurt. It was a terrible shame that they didn't make the playoffs. But Carr is the man. He's always been there. He, he's so uh, meticulous about what he does, changing plays on the line mm-hmm. of scrimmage. I can only say that for the Raider haters that don't like Carr, shame on them. He is the man, and I'm hoping that this year their defense with Ngakwe and Crosby and Farrell, they can step up and give them – you know, better support, because that's what we need. We had 30 points a game last year, and we gave up too many points. So uh, I agree with you. I'm hoping for 10 or 11 wins this year, and uh, just keep up the great work. Thank thanks you, man. So Appreciate you listening, and thanks for listening in the Bay Area on the Raiders mobile app. It means a lot to us as we're brought to you by PT's Taverns. PT's is getting ready for another monster night tonight. Monster night. Book a party. True rewards. Find a tavern right near you. Go to pt'staverns.com and get ready for all these great promotions as they're a proud partner of the Vegas Golden Knights. PT's Gold, PT's Brewing Company, PT's Ranch, Sean Patrick, Sierra Gold, and the SG Bar right up the street from me. Only takes eighty-seven on an Uber to get home. For me, from the SG Bar. Works very well. It does. Uh, Post-COVID. Uh, is that Tra- Travis? Travis in Vegas. Thanks for calling on 920, Travis. Hey, good afternoon, JT. Hey, Travis. I caught you this morning on uh, Pritching Clay, and this has been a topic all day, and I had a couple of thoughts mm-hmm. as far as uh, this is concerned. I work in the media a little bit. You work in the media a little bit. There's always room for spin. There's mm-hmm. always going to be some wiggle room because 
you know, he says he'd rather quit. But you and I both know that two years on a contract, and he said very clearly, I have to honor that contract. You know, the Raiders could trade the rights to Derek Carr away to another team, and he could say at that point, look, I have to honor this contract Mm -hmm. as much as I might not like it. The other thing that that always strikes me as funny, uh, for a lot of the top-end quarterbacks, the money is not the money. The number is the status. That's what they want. They want to be the highest-paid guy so that they can say, I'm the highest-paid guy. Yeah, but let me stop you. There's a number of guys, including Carr, who will never be the highest-paid quarterback. Carr was able to do that back in the day because Mahomes wasn't taken care of yet. So Mahomes is going to set the bar with Lamar Jackson that Carr shouldn't be able to break. Derek, can, Thankfully for Derek, because Mahomes and next up Lamar Jackson are going to set such a high bar, Derek's going to be able to take advantage of it, but he shouldn't be the highest-paid quarterback in the sport. No way, unless he I, proves it. No, I completely agree. I don't think he should be. I don't think he will be, and I don't think you know, his comments lead me to believe that I don't think he wants that either. Mm-hmm. He's not going to be the guy that holds out to, to stick it to the team or to hold their feet to the fire. He's quite simply just saying, this is what I want. This is what I'm prepared to take. I'm prepared mm-hmm. to take less. I don't need all the money in the world. And I think if the Raiders can't find value in that, mm-hmm. then that would be a huge mistake on yeah, their part. Absolutely. Appreciate the call. I would agree. You know, the Raiders are very generous. You know, the Raiders, Al Davis, Al Davis brought a lot of players in at the end of their career who other teams didn't believe in, and Al Davis paid them. You've heard Bill Romanowski on this show many times. Bill Romanowski was a hell of a player. He came to the Raiders at the end of his career to win. Al Davis took care of him. And I think that Mark Davis, you never hear a peep about Mark Davis paying players. Mark Davis is a player's owner. He will take care of his players. But Mark Davis wants to win. Mark Davis needs a quarterback who can win playoff games. And it's not a knock on Derek because I don't think the team's been good enough to win playoff games even when he plays well. They're not even getting to the playoffs. And it's not Derek's fault. They're not getting to the playoffs because of the defense. Now, could Derek carry a team to a playoffs if he plays a little bit better? Yeah, I think he could. This year would be a good year to do it. This is a year to do it. Because most people around the league don't have the Raiders 500. Most of the NFL insiders, because there's no more 500, because there's 17 games. You're either above 500 or below it. And a lot of the haters don't have the Raiders above 500. So if the Raiders end up winning 9, 10 games or 11, I think that's the high end, say the Raiders win 10 games. I could promise you it's going to be because Carr has a Pro Bowl year. And people are going to say, man, that was close to an MVP year. Can he do it? From what I saw today, he is perfectly set up to do that. He looks great. Carr looks fantastic right now. The best I've ever seen him look. He gets bigger, stronger every offseason, better touch, and a stronger arm. And I believe he's getting more mobile because he's more comfortable with his decision-making. JT with you, brought to you by the Henderson Hyundai Superstore. They have the super deals you're looking for. Another proud partner of the Vegas Golden Knights, former tackle Langston Walker joins us next.
I think we can all agree that if, if we were able to pull it off and win a championship here, that, that would feel much better than just piling a whole bunch of great players together and figuring, joining up and doing it that way. I think it would be much more special and uh, it'd feel probably a little bit better. From what we've been through uh, to where I think we're going, I think it'd feel, I just think personally, that'd be a cooler story for my life. And for other people, they want to do other things, that's great, that's up to them. But for me, I'd rather, I'd rather go down with the ship, you know what I'm saying, if I have to. Man, Derek Carr gave us a lot yesterday in that press conference over at the facility in Henderson. JT, back with you, brought to you by the M Resort and Spa. Go to the Raiders Tavern and Grill to have lunch, dinner, be there with us on the pregame show when the Raiders are on the road. They bring us this segment with Langston Walker, Oakland's own. Langston, good to talk to you again. I hope you're doing well. How are you? I'm doing good. Thank you for having me. You know, I want to get right into it. From Oakland, Bishop O'Dowd, your early career. Walk me through it when you decided at a young age that you had a chance to play for such a great high school team and then the road to play in college. Um, so I, I actually originally started out, uh, I was playing baseball only. Um, <clears throat> so from Little League, from T-ball to you know Little League, uh, I was really just focused on baseball. Uh, once I got into uh, Bishop Dowd, uh, my first two years, uh, you know, I just played baseball as a freshman and, and a sophomore. Um, caught the eye of uh, of, of, um, of my coach, uh, Paul Perrinon, and uh, he said he he basically said at PE, he's look, you're coming out for football this year. And I said, you know, okay. Uh, I was growing. Uh, at the time, so my, my coordination was a little off. Um, I had, uh, you know, hand-eye coordination. Everything was just sort of thrown off and um, came out for football and was actually pretty good at it. And, uh, and here we are. Um, you know, got, got a scholarship to UC Berkeley uh, right up the street and, um, and then was drafted by Oakland in, uh, in, in 2002. The Berkeley years must have been amazing to play that close to home for such a great academic institution, beautiful stadium, close to the family and friends. What was that like where you were flourishing there? That must have been amazing. Uh, definitely. Um, I, you know, it's, it doesn't happen very often, uh, you know, with uh, such a great uh, school right in, right in your backyard. Uh, so it was convenient. Uh, I was able to come home and uh, wash my clothes, you know, and uh, get a home-cooked meal. Uh, you know, pretty much every week. Um, but, you know, just like you said, uh, great institution, um, learned a ton, met a lot of, uh, you know, great people who, uh, you know, continue to do, uh, you know, great things. And, uh, you know, very proud of it. Very proud of my degree. You should be. It's a great school. Langston Walker, kind enough to join us. Let's jump into getting on Al Davis's radar and the draft process. 2002, second round, 53rd pick overall. And I remember that draft well as I was anchoring it. And to see where you came into this team at that point in time, high expectations. What was the pressure like early for you? Um, it, it was interesting. I, at least, uh, you know, pre-draft, um, had no idea that they were actually, uh, interested in me. Um, you know, went through, you know, the combine, the draft process, um, you know, had, uh, interview with a couple of, a couple of execs and coaches, uh, at the combine, but, um, you know, really didn't think anything of it. And then, you know, just like you said, uh, 53rd pick, um, I get a phone call from, from Mr. Davis and, uh, he says, Hey, I'm, I'm picking you next. Um, you know, was obviously super excited, uh, especially with the success, success that they had, 
the year before, unfortunately, with the um, uh, Tuck Rule game. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they fell a little short. And, um, you know, but, but just like you said, there was a lot of pressure. Uh, a lot of people were coming back. Uh, I think it was a great opportunity for me um, because I was able to learn from uh, a, a lot of vets on that yeah. team. So uh, in terms of, of, of performance pressure, uh, it, w- it wasn't a lot, but there was definitely, uh, you know, pressure to, um, you know, be able to hold the line, especially when, um, you know, somebody went out. Um, but I, I was able to learn, which I, I, I really appreciated and, uh, and learned a ton from, uh, you know, a lot of, a lot of the offensive linemen and just – Players in general. I mean, we just, you know, you think about offense and defense, some of the names, Jerry Rice, yeah. Tim Brown, um, you know, Lincoln Kennedy. Um, Rod Woodson. Charles Woodson. I mean, you know, there are just a, a lot of great guys on that team. Langston Walker's our guest. What, what was your biggest memory, obviously, of the Super Bowl year? There were a lot of big games in Oakland. And again, for you, as we're talking about you growing up and playing in Oakland for high school and then in college, and then all of a sudden you're playing in the Coliseum in these massive games, championship game on the way, road to the Super Bowl. What do you look back on on those memories? Um, you know, every game I think was, was a, was a big game. Uh, you know, we, we didn't always have the greatest seasons, mm-hmm. <laughs> but, um, the Raider nation was definitely there so, to support us, uh, you know, every step of the way, um, in terms of big game, um, I would probably say the AFC championship game to actually go to the Super Bowl. Uh, I remember it was, it was pouring rain. Um, yeah. I want to say we were playing either the Jets or Kansas city. And, um, it, I mean, like I said, it was just, it was just perfect football weather. Uh, if you can have perfect football weather, uh, it, you know, it was raining. Um, the, the crowd was out there. Um, the cheerleaders were, were out there, you know, cheering, even though it was, like I said, it was, it was monsoon. Um, but it, it, it was, uh, when I, when I think of, highlight games, uh, you know, at the Coliseum, that that's definitely one of them. Yeah, it's incredible to see the run at that time and how important those games were. And, you know, Titans, Raiders, big games building up to what the Super Bowl run was about. For you, then afterwards, after the Super Bowl, I wouldn't say the wheels came off, but there were some tough seasons after that, and you were one of the starters and players on this team. There was a coaching transition from Gruden to Callahan after the tuck rule, as you're talking about. What do you think about that? Because the window closed, and a lot of fans thought that it was the right philosophy. Load up with some veterans, try to get to a Super Bowl. Al Davis was able to get to a Super Bowl, but then after that, it's tough to keep a team like that together, right? Certainly. Um, you know, I, I think we, we tried our best. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, as you said, it, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't a lot of great seasons after that. Um, you know, some things that are a lot, out of a lot of people's control, uh, you know, occurred. Um, but you know, again, you know, it, it's, it's sort of the ebb and flow that happens in, in every sport. You know, mm-hmm. you, you try to, to bring in, uh, you know, solid veterans as, as well as, uh, you know, develop, uh, you know, your younger talent and you just hope for the best. Um, you know, so that's, I think that's what occurred with us. And, you know, it was just unfortunate. It was some of those down years, uh, you know, that, that, um, that the fans had to go through that we had to go through. Um, but, but again, I, I think, uh, I, I really praise, you know, sort of the, the Raider nation that, mm-hmm. that they were always there, you know, they always showed up. Uh, it was always loud. Um, and uh, I, I know they definitely had fun in, at the tailgate. 
Oh, that's for sure. No doubt. When you guys pulled in and you saw those crowds there and the barbecue smoke and the, the Coliseum parking lot packed, unbelievable. Langston Walker, as we wrap it up, what does it mean to you to be a Raider when you got that legacy brick and what this organization means to you? You know, I, um, I honestly teared up. I, I, I really did. I have to admit that. Um, I, it, it was unexpected. I, even talking to, uh, you know, to guys, uh, you know, that I played with, still friends with, um, I think we were all very surprised. Uh, we, we were surprised that, that it happened, but, but weren't surprised that, um, you know, the Davis family uh, did that because it, it is one of their mantras. Once a Raider, always, uh, always a Raider. Um, I, I still have to find where my brick is in the stadium. Yep. Um, but, um, you know, it, my brick sits, uh, you know, right here, uh, you know, in my, my man cave. And, um, you know, it's a very, uh, you know, it's displayed very prominently and very proud of it. You know, very proud of, of, um, of the contribution that I made to this team. Absolutely. You should be and well-respected. You have a lot of friends, the alumni organization here thinks the world to you. Langston, finally, what are you doing with your life now? What's new? Um, you know, I, I, I work, uh, have mm-hmm. a nine to five. I enjoy it. Good. I work for a bank and, um, you know, it's, it's um, you know, it, it's, it's different, uh, but, but at the same time, similar, uh, you know, you have, you have teammates, you have people you work with, um, you know, you collaborate on different things and you have a goal. Um, you know, so I, I think I bring uh, a lot of that, that competition element and, you know, that sporting element, uh, you know, into, into the workplace. Uh, I don't talk about my, my prior employment too much. Uh, so it's always interesting when uh, people sort of figure it out. Yeah. Um, you know, especially, uh, you know, people I've worked with for a couple of years now. So that's great. Hey, we look forward to hosting you out here in Vegas and having you out here for games. So please look us up and we'll do this again. Appreciate you coming on. No problem. Thanks for having me. You got it. Langston Walker in the banking industry now. Big guy. I would think if you're around the bank, you would think that he was a professional football player. What a career. I mean, for a kid who grew up in Oakland to play for Bishop O'Dowd, to play for Cal, and then get drafted in the second round by the Raiders. I love interviewing these alumni. They're all good guys. They come on. They might not have been Hall of Famers. Some aren't pro bowlers. They're part of the family of Mark Davis now and Mrs. Davis and the legacy of Al Davis. Once a Raider, always a Raider. Raider Ray in L.A. on the Raiders app. What's happening, Ray? How's it going, JT? Doing good. What's happening? Right here working. Just listening to the show. You know, um, first time caller since Raider fans since 98. And all I got to say is that great interview, you know, with the legends and Derek Carr, he didn't like him when we drafted him, but he did better now, and he's going better now. And he's going to be a great Raider. He's a Raider for life, and let's go get Kansas City. You got it, buddy. Good to hear from you. Another supporter of Derek Carr. 702-365-9200. Again, thanks to Langston Walker. Brought to you by the M Resort and Casino, where I have to tweet out some cool things because they're a proud partner of the show. So if you see me sitting at the pool or at the restaurant, or in a suit at a blackjack table, even though I don't gamble and play blackjack, it's because I'm promoting the M, and I love to do it. Proud partner of the show. When we come back, we'll play the John Gruden interview, or excuse me, the John Gruden press conference in its entirety. If you didn't hear it today, John Gruden met the media, and it was a good session. Some good questions. He answered it all. 
when we come back, and we'll reset at the top of the hour with VGK. Game two of the Western Conference Finals. How great is that for the city of Las Vegas? Yeah, I would say I'm cautiously optimistic. I, I think um, hopefully in the NFL you're going to see herd immunity. Um, you're mm-hmm. going to see everybody vaccinated, and we're going to have an opportunity to get everybody, 100% of the people in the stands across the entire country. Uh, but I'm going to tell you, we were, we were six and two on the road, two and six at home, and we got to get that friggin' stadium rocket. That, that's a priority this year. Saw Mike Mayock today out on the Golden Knights red hat. Nice by Mike. Supporting what they're doing over there at the Fortress, and the game is coming up. We'll preview it at the top of the hour earlier today at the Intermountain Healthcare Center, the Raiders' beautiful facility. John Gruden met the media for the first time at minicamp. How's it going today? I guess we're uh, continuing our Zoom meeting, so I was hoping to, to see you guys, but I'll answer any questions that I can. John Vinny with the uh, Las Vegas Review Journal. You, you guys made obviously a lot, a lot of changes on the defensive line, a lot of changes in the secondary. Um, you've got a chance to now to see it on the field for this last month or so. Um, how do you feel about those two position groups? Um, you know, as you close up shop here in minicamp and point toward training camp. Feel pretty good. You know, a lot of our practices were instruction based. We'll see where we are when we lay the leather down uh, at training camp, but. Gus Bradley, Milas, Marinelli, our coaches have done a great job on defense, and I think we're better. I think we have a chance to be much better and a lot deeper, and it'll be more competitive. Hey, John, Levi, Damian from USA Today. Can you um, close in on this situation with uh, Divine Diablo, and if there's any concern why he's out here? He's, uh, he's out right now. We are very hopeful that he'll be ready to go for training camp. John Ed Graney from the Review Journal. You, you, to stay on the Gus Bradley theme as well as you know him, has anything uh, surprised you since he came aboard, the relationship with the players? How do you think that's gone in terms of how he's communicating with them and them to him? It's gone well. I think it's off to a great start. That's one of his strengths. He's a people person. He's a great communicator. and He's also got a staff that's been with him for a long time. I think that's the, the biggest um, I think um, thing that he has going for him. A lot of coordinators get hired and they have to implement their defense with a lot of coaches they've never worked with. But um, Richard Smith's a great linebacker coach. Ron Miles is a great secondary coach, and Marinelli just got a Lifelong Achievement Award for the defensive line coach. So we've got a great defensive staff, and, uh, and Gus is a great communicator. So far, so good. Hey, John, this is Vic. I wanted to follow up. Uh, so you think this is your best roster so far here in year four? Well, I'll have to see when we get to camp. Obviously, we like it on paper. We think uh, we've made some some changes that are, you know, in some people's eyes, uh, questionable. But we're, we're younger. I think we're faster. I think we do have more depth. And um, it's hard to update that that question right now without seeing everything in pads at full speed. John, you guys brought in um, Casey Hayward, a veteran uh, cornerback. Uh, obviously, you've invested a first-round pick, a second-round pick at cornerback. 
uh, these last couple of years. How do you see that playing out uh, with Casey Hayward's uh, presence and what that might mean for a Damon Arnett or even a Trayvon Miller? Yeah, we've put a lot of picks into our secondary. Uh, if you count Trayvon Merring and Tyree Gillespie and, you know, obviously Carl Joseph and John Abram, you know, we got a lot of high picks in that secondary. They're young. Hayward is, is going to be a veteran. It brings us some seasoning um, and some day-to-day consistency. And uh, he's going to provide a lot of competition, I promise you that. He's not here to give away his job. So uh, we like the, the makeup of our secondary. I like the guy coaching them. I think this guy's a special coach. And the best guys are going to play. I don't care if it's Nate Hobbs or Amik Robinson. I don't care what round they came in. We're going to play the best four or five guys, and uh, the players will decide that. John, with the first round pick this year, you guys decided to take a, a guy at right tackle to kind of push Trim Brown. What's been your first initial thoughts that have stuck out to you the most about Alex Leatherwood? Well, he's very smart, very athletic. He's long. He's, uh, he's a talented player, and uh, that's why we took him. We had him ranked high on our board, and um, we're glad he fell to us. We're glad he was there for us. Smart guy, very athletic, and uh, he has a lot of experience. So uh, we're, we're counting on him being our starting right tackle. John, I want to ask you your impressions of your um, some new faces at receiver, um, John Brown, Willie Sneed, and, uh, and Dylan Stoner. Yeah, we've got a uh, competition there. Uh, you, you mentioned some of the guys. John Brown's a good player. You know, a couple of years ago he had over 1,000 yards. He has great speed. Uh, he's learning three positions right now, much like uh, Nelly did last year at this time. I think he's going give to give us some pop. Uh, he can really run, get out of routes, and he can run a, a wide array of patterns. Um, the other guys you mentioned, you know, Willie Sneed has come in here. He's a real pro. Uh, strong hands, uh, very precise route runner, tough as hell. And uh, he's going to compete with Renfro in the slot. Um, Dylan Stoner's done well. This uh, DJ Turner, the punt returner from Pitt, uh, very interesting. He's quick, smart, and um, Zay Jones came back ready to go. And our two picks from last year, the guys that I've really been focusing on, Edwards looks good and Ruggs looks much better than he did this time last year. Uh, John, two questions uh, specifically about Henry Ruggs. Uh, I know that there's some uh, some things that you guys you know, asked him to work on during this offseason. How has that come back? And then also uh, where you guys are on your vaccination numbers and uh, how that is, is is working out. Well, I'm not uh, at liberty to give any statistics on our vaccinations. I can speak for myself and the coaches. We've all had our vaccinations. And, you know, I think uh, our players have bought in. I think we're as good as anybody in the league or better. We hope to have every man vaccinated and most importantly, every man as safe as possible when the season starts. Um, and then in terms of rugs, uh, you know, rugs didn't have an off season program last year, like a lot of these rookies. And uh, he got hurt in the first game against Carolina and uh, got the coronavirus last year, missed some more time, but he's a big reason why Darren Waller had a big year because of the threat of rugs. And we don't want to just have rugs be a threat we like him to be uh, on the receiving end of a lot of those threats. So we're trying to get him more and more involved in the pass offense, and so far, so good. John, this is Hondo Carpenter from Sports Illustrated. I know that coaches are traditionally glass, half-empty type of people, but what are you most happy with with this team, sir? I like the guys. I think we, uh, 
Uh, we have guys that like each other, that love football, that like the preparation. And a lot of these guys play for nothing. You know, they would come out here and, and, and keep practicing if I didn't blow the whistle. So we don't have any energy vampires. We got guys that like the game that are going to compete, and um, we have some talent. We have some young, uh, exciting talent, and that, that's what excites me the most. Hey, John Paul here from ESPN. How different, how good has it felt to actually have an off-season program where you can get your hands physically on these guys this off-season? And when you do break tomorrow, what's that message going to be for these guys for the next six weeks? Well, it feels good. Uh, you know, it's preparation is a big part of this game. You know, you, you got to spend time together, I think. But um, we're, we're fortunate that we had almost 100% turnout. And uh, we, we, we got better each day. We did a lot of strategic things to focus on every day and we got better so i'm i'm very happy with that and the, the closing message is uh going to be personal you know we don't talk about the things we say in team meetings but uh, the expectations are rising now you know we we proved that we can compete in the afc west you know we proved we can win on the road and now we've got to prove we can uh win at a much higher level and uh, we got a great schedule. We got a very difficult st- schedule open the season. So be smart with your time and and uh, continue to train like a champion. Last one for Coach Gruden. John Miller Mills with the Associated Press. It's uh, Father's Day weekend. You got OTAs and mini camp out of the way, and Deuce has quite a big event in Daytona. Just wondering if you're looking forward to your boy bringing home some hardware from this prestigious event. Yeah, I'm really proud of Deuce. He's. Uh, you know, he's, he's going to go down there and, and be in a different age group this year. He's, he's going against the whole world now. He's going against every man alive. So we'll see what happens in the old powerlifting championship. Wow. Deuce Gruden going into the world powerlifting championships. How about that? That's a proud father in John Gruden. John Gruden today gave us a lot. I'll go over what he said especially on the best players are going to start. I think that was the message of that first press conference. Don't care who you are, where you were drafted, I'm going with the best players. I like hearing that. Brought to you by Remy Martin. Team up for excellence.